Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. I'm with Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, going to be joined by 10-year NFL veteran David Alexander as we'll get his thoughts on all things in the National Football League as well as college football with the college football playoff and the recent coaching changes at Oklahoma and Miami. We'll get that breakdown from D.A. when he joins us in just a bit. Also, we will have Coach Bo's football picks presented by O'Connor Advisory Group as well as our weekly picks against the spread. And we'll have our top pulmonary story of the week coming up at the end of today's show as well. Thanks for making us a part of your day here on the Jones Report, part of the Studio Soapbox Network. New episodes of the Jones Report out each and every Thursday on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Make sure to subscribe and follow us there. We certainly would appreciate it. Right off the top today, I want to look at the world of college football. We'll get to our Around the NFL segment in a moment, but we now know the final four teams who will be partaking in the college football playoff. It will be Alabama taking on Cincinnati in the Cotton Bowl, while Michigan will face Georgia in the Orange Bowl. You know, we at Studio Soapbox for the last several weeks have been doing these polls of ranking the teams of where they belong when it comes to these college football playoff rankings. And throughout the last several weeks, what we had noticed was that our poll, as opposed to the committee poll, that the committee was doing such a terrible job uh, with how they looked at these teams and that it was very unfair. It seemed pretty obvious that from the jump, they were trying to do what they could to screw Cincinnati and that they were not rewarding teams for the play on the field, letting the resumes speak for themselves, but rather that they were focused on your style points and how you looked in that regard. And then you get to Selection Sunday, and the decision was made for the committee. They got the right four teams in the playoff, but it all worked out on the field. There was no decision to be made. Now, I disagree with the order of how they put together those final four teams, um, but they got the right four, but it wasn't like it was that hard to get to those four. The only potential controversy you could have had was Cincinnati and Notre Dame, but that was decided on the field when Cincinnati won at Notre Dame earlier this year. It was figured out at that point. So with, with that being said, you know, we, we hear this talk from the talking heads over the last few days. Kirk Herbstreit and others are saying that, hey, the system is fixed and, you know, they don't want to hear all this bitching from Cincinnati and these group of five teams that they don't have a fair shot and such when they did make the playoff in this situation. The committee only put Cincinnati in because they essentially had to put Cincinnati in. They had no other choice. Oklahoma State was literally an inch away from making the college football playoff in that game against Baylor, in a game where we saw Spencer Sanders throw four interceptions. They still had a chance to win at the very end of that game and let it go by. And 
you know, I, I'm not even saying that Oklahoma State deserved the spot over Cincinnati if they were to win. But based on the track record of the way the committee treated Cincinnati throughout the year, continually underranking them from what they deserved, I would believe that Oklahoma State probably would have gotten in over Cincinnati had they nudged Baylor and got that top 10 win. And they would have made the playoff, I think, over Cincinnati when it was all said and done. But the system is not fixed. Um, this is why we still need playoff expansion. And, you know, I, I hear from people that, well, okay, Cincinnati, now you got to go out there and you got to compete and you can't get blown out by Alabama. Well, hey, newsflash, folks. These semifinals have been terrible over the last several years. Okay? Um, last time I checked, Oklahoma got beat pretty bad by LSU. And Notre Dame got beat pretty bad by Clemson. And Alabama's blown out a few teams here and there. So, no, Cincinnati, what they do in this playoff is not an indictment on their season. And, and it shouldn't be. I think it's unfair to the group of five teams of the future to say that if Cincinnati does not perform well, that group of five teams don't deserve a shot at the playoff. That's not fair. That's not right because we've seen power five teams. A lot of them struggle in the exact same situation that Cincinnati's about to be in. I'm happy for the Bearcats. I'm happy they got in, but this idea of this glass ceiling all of a sudden being broken because Cincinnati got in, is just simply not true. Um, there's still a long ways to go to get to that perfect system. We're not there yet. Uh, I'll be rooting for Cincinnati. I hope they compete with Alabama, can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with those guys. It's going to be one of those situations where, in the case of the Bearcats, they're going to need to play a perfect game, and they're going to need to hope that the Alabama that shows up on the field on New Year's Eve is an Alabama team that we saw against Auburn, that it took four overtimes to beat a bad – Auburn team or that it's the Alabama team that lost to Texas A&M or barely got by a bad team in Florida, what Alabama team is going to show up? That's what this comes down to. If Alabama looks like what they did in the SEC title game, they're going to be just fine. But if they look like they did against Auburn, they'll lose, quite frankly. So that's uh, very intriguing, that game to me, Alabama and Cincinnati uh, on uh, that front there. Meanwhile, Michigan and Georgia. Michigan comes in as arguably the hottest team in college football right now. Um, this is a game where if, I, if this game was played this week, I think we would probably all pick Michigan if this game was the very next week as far as riding the wave and the high hand goes. You dominate against your arch rivals, the Ohio State, and then the next week you put a shellacking on Iowa – the way that they've run the ball and the way that they've played so good on defense. Hutchinson is a Heisman finalist. You know, he, he's one of the best players in the country on that side of the ball. I love what I've seen from him. That Michigan team is legit. And for Jim Harbaugh, this is a guy that's taken a lot of criticism on this show too over the last several years for how much they have underperformed and have not achieved at the highest level, not reached their capabilities. Um, you know, before this year, Harbaugh had not beat Ohio State, had not won the Big Ten. He's done both those things. And I remember Bob Stoops 
And we'll talk about Bob here in just a second. Bob was saying prior to the uh, game against Ohio State, hey, look, Jim Harbaugh is an outstanding coach. He picked Michigan to beat Ohio State, go on to win the Big Ten, and everybody kind of looked at Bob like, what? Okay. And he was right. I mean, Jim Harbaugh is still one of the best out there. Just took him a while to get this thing going, but he's got it rocking. Um, Georgia. Now, you lose to Alabama pretty bad last week. But if Kirby Smart plays this right, this can actually be beneficial. You've had your weaknesses exposed now. You know where you have struggles. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do to fix it? You don't have the pressure of carrying on that undefeated record anymore. What are you going to do? And you got three weeks to figure it out. I think Georgia's in good shape to fix those kinks. And I think ultimately we're going to get an all-SEC national championship with Alabama winning it all. That's my expectation. Hope I'm wrong, but I think we're headed towards that direction here. Um, I think Michigan's got a much better chance to beat Georgia than Cincinnati does against Alabama because the talent on the field, Michigan's a closer team to Georgia than Cincinnati is to Alabama. I mean, that's just straight facts. So with that being said, um, the playoffs as a fan, uh, I love the new blood involved. You know, Michigan, a name brand, but we haven't talked about them at this level, the national stage in a long time. Cincinnati has never been a part of this national stage like this. Um, it's refreshing. Even Georgia, they've only made one playoff prior to this. So new kids on the block. I think it's great. Um, the playoff needed this. Um, ratings are still not going to be great this year because it falls on New Year's Eve and people like to have a good time on New Year's Eve. But Nonetheless, it'd be entertaining. Should be fun to see what uh, what comes about of these playoffs. I would think one of these games is a blowout just based on what history tells us, but I'm going to remain optimistic. We've had this year of all this parody in college football. I hope that we see something along those same lines or we see some competition here, but history tells me that this is when the SEC turns on another gear and, and shows what they're made of. So we'll see. Uh, on that front. Meanwhile, staying in college football here on the Jones Report this week, some big changes on the coaching front. Brent Venables is the new head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners. And last week, we were talking to Keegan Renault on the show. And Keegan was pointing out that there was a push for Matt Rule to be joined with Joe Brady to head to Norman and be the next head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners. And what's developed over the last few days in both Carolina and Norman, Oklahoma, and Carolina's been the place to be when you think about it, with Brent, of course, at Clemson and uh, Matt Rule and Joe Brady up the road in Charlotte. And you see Joe Brady get fired by Matt Rule. There is the offensive coordinator of the Carolina Panthers. I think that was kind of a sign after the fact, okay. Yeah, that, that wasn't happening. If they're having problems making this marriage work with the Panthers, they're not going to bring a struggling marriage to Norman, Oklahoma. Okay, that makes a little more sense. Not to mention the whole idea of Matt Rule leaving in the middle of the NFL season when they're technically still in playoff contention. There was just too many variables 
for that to happen uh, to get Matt Rule to Oklahoma. Matt Rule was the best candidate for this job when it came to uh, you know prestige and such, but there was just going to be too many moving parts to try to make that happen. Brent Venables just makes sense for the Oklahoma Sooners. Um, this is a guy that knows that program inside and out. And, you know, the, the thing with Venables that I come back to is some people will say that, okay, Oklahoma chose the best name of a guy that was already associated with Oklahoma, that they chose the best Oklahoma guy for this job. And while that's not wrong, I would say that you need to dig a little deeper, okay? Um, Brent Venables is a guy that has been up for numerous jobs in the past, turned down a lot of good jobs, has been heavily desired. This is Brent is the top coordinator, at least defensive coordinator in all of college football. If you're looking for a comparison of the hiring that Oklahoma has made with Brent Venables, the level of what we're talking about here, this is what Georgia did when they hired Kirby Smart. This is what Oklahoma did when they hired Bob Stoops. Okay? You have gone out and hired the best coordinator in the country, the guy that has been waiting for the right opportunity at a blue blood program, a guy that's already been well-paid. And for Oklahoma, what I like most about this hiring, and we talked about it on last week's show, that Oklahoma had gotten away from their identity of physical power football, that they weren't tough anymore, and that Lincoln Riley was not getting them ready for the SEC in the way that they needed to be in that regard. Now you have a guy that is not going to put up with that nonsense. They're going to bring in Jeff Levy to be their OC. And they're going to have a high-powered offensive attack. And it's going to be a lot of fun what they do. But you better believe Brent Venables is still going to make them win at the line of scrimmage. They're still going to play great defense. The expectations are going to go up a notch with Brent Venables. He's not going to put up with this team lollygagging around and not being a tough-minded, hard-nosed football team. You bring in Schmitty as your strength and conditioning coach, and this guy was kind of chased out of town by Lincoln Riley um, to go with a you know, more of a sushi guy in their uh, strength and conditioning program. They're, they're not doing sushi football anymore in Norman. They're going back to basics. And that's what you're seeing with Brent Venables, what he's going to bring to this Oklahoma team. I love that he is a triple Whataburger eater. Um, you know, it, it's going to be a difference. And I think this is a good change. You know, Lincoln Riley did a good job at Oklahoma. And I know that there's a lot of unhappy people with Lincoln Riley, myself included. But um, I think at the end of the day, all of this could be better for OU. Jeff Levy is a rising star when it comes to offensive coordinators in this sport. Brent Venables is 
as good of any coordinator in the country and has seen what it takes to win national titles. He's recruited at a high level. He is a program guy. It makes sense. I think Brent is ready for this opportunity. This is not a young guy that has moved up through the ranks and is getting this job, you know, as some hotshot coordinator that's in his 30s. He's waited for his time to come, and it's right now. So I'm ready. And, you know, the, the other thing, too, about what Brent's doing at Oklahoma that's unique is that most of the time when we see these coaching changes made, a head coach will want to bring in his own staff. And a head coach will want to do things his way. And that's usually what you want for a football coach is for them to get a fresh start of some sorts. But one of the pushes to bring Venables in was the idea of that he is going to take over a well-oiled machine. There's guys on this staff that have been there through a couple different head coaches that know how Oklahoma works, Kel Gundy being one of those. And so you keep guys like Kel Gundy, Bill Biedenboe, Marco Murray, guys that know Oklahoma through and through, that know how to win at Oklahoma. You keep them on that offensive staff. He's fired the entire defensive staff. They're going to rebuild that. That defensive staff needs work. But usually I'm, I'm for giving the, the coach free reign to go hire a new staff and give it his own identity. But these guys that are staying around know Oklahoma and have seen what it takes. This program's in good hands. As Bob Stoops has said many times over the last week or so, Stoops has come out and said, look, um, this Oklahoma program's in good shape. They have all the resources they need. They've been winning a lot of football games the last few years. They've had some playoff appearances, although they haven't had the success they would have liked. They've been there. They know what it takes but now they want to take the next step. You have guys that are there that know what it takes, that love Oklahoma, that know this program through and through. Now you just add to that. I think it's a good mix. Venables, uh, so far, in just a few days, is doing everything the right way when it comes to this Oklahoma job. I've been very impressed at this point. And, you know, there's some questions about Jeff Levy being the OC with his track record at Baylor. Um, being the son-in-law of Art Bryles and potentially what his role was in that scandal in that situation. But let me put it to you this way, folks. Okay? What did we talk about last week with OU's compliance department? They are as big a sticklers as anybody in the country. And when you look at Levy, he's worked at two major universities – since the Baylor situation, that being Ole Miss and UCF. You don't think those universities went through quite the vetting process? You don't think Oklahoma has done their due diligence? You'd be crazy. Don't worry about it. They know what they're doing. Oklahoma is not going to let anybody get away with that type of track record if there was anything there. It's a good hire. They're going to be fine. So – I like what I've seen from Brent. Oklahoma, 
potentially is upgrading here. Um, I've seen no negatives at this point. Okay. You know, the, the one thing I would point to, maybe you didn't get the splashy hire that attracted the attention of the nation, but you know what you did? Your fan base is pretty happy right now. Sooner Nation is thrilled. Did you see how many people were at the airport or at the Everest Training Center to support their new head coach? Sure as hell was a lot more people there than was at Lincoln Riley's introductory press conference at USC and that whole SNL skit that went on. That was weird. So, okay, maybe you didn't attract America's attention, but you've won over your fan base, and that's what matters most. So there you have it. Good news there for the Oklahoma Sooners on that front. They have their guy. It was a rough week losing Lincoln Riley. It felt personal. It felt like you were being rejected, that you told you weren't good enough. And now Brent Venables has come in and said, you matter, that I'm here for you, and that we're going to win football games together. That's what it's all about. you got to love what you've seen from Brent Venables as far as that goes. We'll go ahead and move on. Let's go ahead and get to our around the NFL segment this week, breaking down uh, this week's NFL games. We'll start with Thursday night football tonight. The Steelers taking on the Vikings. Steelers coming in at 6-5-1. and one. The Vikings at 5-7. and seven. And both these teams have done the inexcusable. And that's had close games where they did not beat the Lions. The Lions tied the Steelers, and they beat the Vikings last week. Both teams still in playoff contention at this point. Um, Steelers are going to be without Joe Hayden. Um, the Vikings are going to be without Adam Thielen, and Dalvin Cook's questionable. Um, I think the Vikings should be favored here. I believe they're about a three-point favorite. Um, what Big Ben's going to show up? I don't know. Big Ben, I think, has lost it but he still has glimmers of hope at times. I do think we need to give more credit to T.J. Watt. He is having a historic season. I think he's a generational talent in this sport. If you're on the fence about watching this game tonight, T.J. Watt is appointment viewing. You need to watch this game to see T.J. Watt. Folks, that's how good he is. Should be a good game tonight, Steelers and Vikings. Sunday. The Ravens taking on the Browns. Both these teams not playing so hot right now. And you look at it at their records. The Browns at eight and four on a bit of a slide the last few weeks, or uh, the Ravens at eight and four. Browns at six and six. They have more talent than what their records show. And, you know, in, in the case of the, the Browns, um, Baker Mayfield's been playing banged up. You know, the guys around him have been hurt. It has been a mess for Cleveland. If they could just get somewhat healthy, this team would be okay. When this team is healthy, their, their talent level's second or third best in the AFC. They just haven't been, haven't been healthy all year. Meanwhile, for Baltimore, I don't understand what's going on with Lamar Jackson right now. 13 interceptions on the year. Just 16 passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns. Lamar and Baker aren't playing great right now. And, you know, if you're looking for why you should pick this game one way or the other, think about this. The Ravens beat 
the Browns a couple weeks ago, holding the Browns at 10 points, even with Lamar Jackson throwing four interceptions. I doubt Lamar's throwing four interceptions again, maybe just three this time. But with that, I'll go with uh, Baltimore to win on the road on Sunday. Jags taking on the Titans. The Titans about an eight-and-a-half-point favorite uh, against the Jags. Titans, you know, there was a couple weeks there after Derrick Henry went down that they were okay. And now that they've struggled to reestablish that running game without Derrick Henry, they've lost back-to-back games to the Houston Texans and the New England Patriots, only scoring 13 points in both those games. Um, It's not a given that the Titans are going to win this game based on their recent struggles, and the Jags have had their moments from time to time. Tennessee, you got to make that run game work somehow. Um, I like Tannehill. I think Tannehill's a good quarterback, but your identity too much is in your run game, even without Derrick Henry, just to let that go by the wayside. They have to find a way to run the football. Uh, I think they're going to be fine against Jacksonville. Chiefs and Raiders. The Chiefs, you know, Patrick Mahomes still isn't playing that great. Um, You know, he's thrown 12 interceptions this year, hasn't thrown a touchdown in three weeks. But they're winning football games. And the defense has been phenomenal for the Kansas City Chiefs. Listen to these point totals. Let's go back to November 7th. They gave up seven points against Green Bay, 14 against the Raiders, nine against the Cowboys, Nine against the Broncos. This Chiefs defense came alive the last few weeks. And they're winning because of their defense. That was not a sentence I expected to say about the Kansas City Chiefs in 2021, especially after the way their season started this year. But here we are. And you got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire back. Tyreek Hill is starting to find himself. Um, Tyron Matthew still isn't playing to his standard where he'd like to be. This team is getting better every single week, and they still have obvious problems. But, look, their best football is still in front of them. I think the Chiefs are going to be fine with the Raiders, and this is the team to beat in the AFC. Things have not changed for the Chiefs. They are still the team to beat in the AFC at this point in time. Um, I know that the Patriots – are the hottest team in the NFL right now, but they don't have the talent level the Chiefs do. And I don't know if the Patriots are going to get any better than what they are right now. For Kansas City, I look at this team and I say, there's still a lot of areas that they can find ways to improve. And I think they will. Uh, The Raiders at six and six, this team won't go away. You know, I thought the Raiders were going to be well out of it by now with, Losing John Gruden and the Henry Ruggs fiasco and everything that's gone down there. I mean, seems like something popped up with this Raiders team every other week. And they get the big win against the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. Then they lose to Washington. Um, Eventually, this team's got to fade, right? Um, I would be so shell-shocked if they beat Kansas City this week. I don't see it happening, but we'll see. Saints and Jets, Saints at five and seven. This team's really starting to unravel at this point. Some of the injuries starting to pile up, and they tried to turn to Taysom Hill at the quarterback position. That just didn't work. Um, 
you know, if, if the Jets are going to win football games, here's the chance. Take on a depleted Saints team. Um, it's, it's over for the Saints. It just is. And I have my questions about Sean Payton now. Um, it just doesn't make sense. I don't get it anymore. I think the Saints, uh, they'll win, but it, will be, it won't be pretty. It'll be an ugly win for the Saints. Cowboys and Washington. Cowboys coming in at a four-and-a-half-point favorite. We'll pick this game coming up later on. Um, the Cowboys have hit a low the last few weeks. Well, the Washington football team's playing a lot better. And remember, they're doing it without Chase Young. A lot of those guys in the, that defense are banged up. Ron Rivera is doing an excellent job coaching this team, considering what he has to work with at this point. Um, Mike McCarthy, I believe, should be back after uh, having COVID and missing last week's game against New Orleans. Um, to me, it, it, this is all about the Cowboys. Washington is going to put everything out there. Uh, Heineke is going to limit his mistakes. And it's a matter of the Cowboys can capitalize. If the Cowboys can run the football, and Bo's been talking about that for weeks on end, if they can run the football and, you know, open up the play action for Dak, they win. I like the Cowboys. Falcons take it on the Panthers. Oh, this is a desperate game. The Panthers have been just a mess. Um, firing Joe Brady, I blame Matt Rule for that one. I like Matt Rule. I really do. But his excuse that he wanted to run the football more, um, I'm not buying. Joe Brady is a past guy. Um, Joe Brady is one of the best young offensive minds in football. That doesn't make any sense to me. You knew what you were getting in Joe Brady. And not to mention Christian McCaffrey's been hurt the last couple years. So um, the Panthers starting to fall apart. The Falcons aren't anything to write home about. They're a mess. Uh, this is the type of game that just makes you want to puke. I guess I go, I lean towards Atlanta, but I don't say that with any sort of confidence whatsoever. Um, you know, it's one of those games, I guess somebody has to win. Um, Seahawks in Texans. Seahawks at four and eight. Texans at two and ten. Um, Seattle's looking to win their second straight game. Seattle's been the most disappointing team in football this year. They won't have Jamal Adams uh, on Sunday. Um, so they'll have to do it without him. That defense has just been so bad uh, all this year. Um, look, I feel for Russell Wilson. He's not happy. This is not to their standard, to their expectation here. Is Seattle motivated? That's what this comes down to. Have the Seahawks given up? I know they won last week, but does this team still want to play football? Do they still want to go out there and compete? That remains to be seen. If they want to, if they have the intestinal fortitude, yeah, they're better than the Texans. They should win. It comes down to whether they want it or not, personally, is the way I look at this game. Uh, moving on. How about the uh, Lions and the Broncos? <clears throat> The Lions, you got to be happy for those guys. Getting their first win of the year last week against the Minnesota Vikings. Kirk Cousins, um, you know, he's had a good year, but the Lions just ultimately had 
a better day. And Dan Campbell, I got to tell you, I like Dan Campbell. I do. And he's done some things that I think are better than what their record indicates, considering the talent that's there on this Lions roster. Jared Goff, that was the first win he's ever had in his entire career without Sean McVay. Um, The Lions, they'll have the first pick in the draft next year. Got to go get a quarterback. Um, They got a lot of problems, but the last few weeks, the tie with the Steelers, uh, the win last week, I think you have to be happy for this team that they're finding at least something of some sorts. The Broncos, man, this is one of those teams that has been on fraud watch. You know those fraud alerts that you get every once in a while? That's what the Denver Broncos are. And this Denver Broncos team, there's been nothing special about them uh, all season. They were winning games they weren't supposed to, but you knew that it wasn't going to last. And if you need something to point to, if you could point to one thing that says uh, the Broncos were pretenders, where they got exposed was giving up a pick six to Dan Sorensen. Okay. Did Dan have a good play? Yes, he did. I will give Dan credit for that. But you literally had Teddy Bridgewater throw an interception in Dan Sorensen's lap and him take it to the house. That's how bad the Broncos actually are. Broncos will win. Um, but this isn't a good team. It isn't. Um, and I say the Broncos will win. Who knows? I mean, <laughs> if the Lions are going to get another win this year, who knows? Maybe it's Denver this week. Um, out of the Giants and Chargers, the uh, Eli Manning Philip Rivers game without Eli Manning and Philip Rivers. I wish they were playing. Um, the Chargers at seven and five. I'm still trying to figure out this Chargers team. I like what the Chargers have talent wise. Justin Herbert's been terrific as a second year quarterback. Um, you know, he's got some dudes there, but it's so inconsistent with this team. One week, they look like the best team in the NFL. And another week, they, they look like a deer in headlights. I don't understand it. Uh, Brandon Staley's doing a good job, but I just want to see this team more consistent. This is a game where everything points to the Chargers will be in control. Though They should win this game. They're the more talented team. They're at home. And then what do you know? They come out flat and the Giants are there. Um, This could be one of those type of games. So watch out. Chargers, don't come out flat. That's where I look at with this team is how they start. They got to get off to better starts um, to give themselves some cushion. uh, Because when they come out flat, they're they're just not the, the same football team. 49ers and Bengals. 49ers have had some upward momentum the last few weeks. They're at six and six. Bengals at seven and five. Um, Now, the Bengals, you know, last week they lose to the Chargers. And a lot of people were pointing to with this Bengals team saying that, hey, you know, the the Bengals, uh, you know, kind of that consistency issue of some sorts, like we talked about with the Chargers. But I kind of had to reel things back in for a second. Remember, the Bengals are just two years removed from having the number one overall pick. Um, beyond Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, 
Samaj P. Ryan and Joe Burrow, there's not a whole lot in Cincinnati. Okay, seven and five, they are where they should be. The Niners are better than what their record indicates. They're at six and six, but they haven't had the guys there. They have been hurt most of the season. Now they're starting to play better. I give San Francisco an edge in this game. I think that they're the more talented team. I think they're the better coach team, and they got better momentum, but they're on the road. So we'll see. Bills and Bucks. Um, the Bills. Man, this is a team that has got to be infuriating at seven and five. Um, it amazes me when you look at these seven and five teams, how different they really are. On paper, the Bills are much more talented than the Cincinnati Bengals. When the Bills are completely healthy and when they play to their full potential, you can make a case the Bills are as good as any team in the AFC, maybe the best team in the AFC when they play their full potential. But we haven't seen that in quite some time. The Bucs have found that rhythm. They are clicking on all cylinders. Um, Antonio Brown suspended for a few games. I don't see that being an issue. They're going to be fine. Um, Tom Brady and company, they have hit their stride. And you think about this time last year, everybody was worried about the Bucs. It was, okay, what has gone wrong for this team? How are they in this position? With all this talent there, they haven't figured it out. And then what do you know? In the month of December, they turned it on, went on to win the Super Bowl. The Bucs are well past that. The Bucs right now are playing uh, as good of football right now as they were in the divisional round of last year's playoffs. That's how forward this team is. Um, the Bucs are at home. The Bills have problems. Tom Brady's your MVP favorite at this point. Ride the Bucs. Bears and Packers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers taking on the team he owns, the Bears. Probably his last game against the Bears from Lambeau Field. It isn't going to be pretty. Aaron Rodgers isn't going to go easy on the Chicago Bears. Uh, he's going to have a field day. I feel bad for Bears fans. Uh, Sunday night's going to be pretty traumatic for you. Monday night, Rams and Cardinals. Uh, the Cardinals, give it. You got to give credit to Cliff Kingsbury. Um, they were without DeAndre Hopkins, without Kyler Murray, but this team didn't miss a beat. They had one game where they lost to Carolina. But Colt McCoy did what he needed to do, and then some as a backup quarterback, they find themselves with the best record in football. Meanwhile, for the L.A. Rams, um, OBJ still hasn't stepped up to replace Robert, Wo Robert Woods yet. Matthew Stafford has taken a couple steps back. The defense hasn't played to their full potential, what we expect them to. The Rams are st still a very good football team. They're another one like the Bills. Okay, if you could put it all together, you're a great team. But they are not at this point in time a great team. When we talk about that upward mobility, you know, of teams wanting to get hot at the right time, I'm worried the Rams have peaked, that their best football is behind them. In Arizona's case, at 10 and 2, they've done all this the last few weeks without their two stars. Now you get those back. Woo. You'd be crazy not to take Arizona in this game. I mean, unless you're an L.A. Rams homer of some sorts, 
this is an obvious pick. You got to ride with Arizona. So there you have it. That's our look around the NFL here on the Jones Sport this week. We're going to have more NFL discussion with DA, David Alexander, coming up in just a bit, as well as some college football talk with the uh, coaching changes, Brent Venables to Norman, and the college football playoff. We'll also have Coach Bo's football fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group later on, our Big 12 breakdown, and our Tom Fulry story of the week as well. Stay with us here on the Jones Report. Joining us now on the Jones Report this week is 10-year NFL veteran, high school football coach in the state of Oklahoma. David Alexander is back on the program again. Coach, appreciate the time as always. Congrats on the championship that uh, you guys were able to bring home at Jinx, continuing just a great tradition in history there. Appreciate you joining us. What's going on? Uh, of course, Tyler. Uh, it's, uh, it's it's great to be with you, man. Um, as always, you, you do a great job, and uh, I love getting to talk about uh, Jinx football and uh, NFL football, college football. Just let's just talk some ball, buddy. Yeah, tell me about this uh, championship that uh, you guys pulled off here. Uh, we, we all wondered what the post Allen Trimble era would look like, but it seems like you and Keith Riggs and company have really just carried on his legacy of that continued Jinx football excellence here. Yeah, Coach Riggs. Uh, you know, Coach Riggs was with Coach Trimble for a long time, um, so. As far as the structure of the program and, and the bones, the real bones of the program, Coach Riggs has just carried that on. Um, now, his leadership has been key because it's, it's not easy. It's not easy to fall on the shoes of not only a great football coach, but just such a high-profile guy at the end of his career. He's just, you know, he was so well-known. Um, but Coach Riggs hadn't worried about that part about it that part of it he just worried about right getting assistant coaches um right to carry on that that excellence right uh, expect great things and and the same thing of the kids and get better every week and um this this year was a was a really special year starting off the year we probably were not one of the favorites to win the state championship not probably we weren't one of the two favorites to win the state championship um but we just kept getting better our kids believed, and it was a it was a great run at the end. Yeah, and uh, also right there in your area, Bigsby continued their uh, record breaking season. They won the state title on the six uh, a two level. They're moving up next year. I love Dave, Coach, just the way that East Side football in Oklahoma has continued to dominate. You know, we're going to see them move up next year, and and uh, I mean, you're a BA guy, of course, you know, they've had a good track record at Wasso Union and such. I love what you guys and the rest of the, the, the Tulsa schools are doing to continue to dominate that state. Yeah, of course we are too. We're all proud of it. Right. Um, we, we want to keep that going. We want the East side to dominate and you know, you can, you can trace that back to coach Trimble and coach Blankenship back in the late nineties, early two thousands, you know, stepping, stepping it up. Um, with their programs. And I'm not just talking about winning games. I'm talking about everything from the Boucher club involvement to the weight room to, um, you know, doing things a little bit different uh, and setting the expectation level a little higher. And then, so once you've got two teams doing it, you know, and start having success and it starts trickling into other ones. And then of course, coach Montgomery over Bixby, you know, he coached with coach Tr or coached for coach Trumbull for a long, long time. Um, and he took that blueprint over there uh, about work your opponent and get bigger and stronger in the weight room and get better every week. And, 
and he's really built um, something special over there. And it's going to be good. They're it's ready. They're ready. Bixby's ready for six A one, and they they will compete immediately. Matter of fact, but you know they may be. I don't know what they have coming back, but they may be one of the favorites to win it next year. Yeah, they very well could be. Uh, certainly exciting to see uh, what's going on there. And uh, we'll transition over to the uh, college side now. Down the road for you, uh, from you, Oklahoma's got a new head coach in Brent Venables after Lincoln Riley left to USC. Right. What do you know about Brent? What do you what what excites you about him becoming the new head coach at OU? Well, it, it, the, the the first thing that stands out about Brent Venables is that he just absolutely loves his job. Um, I learned a long time ago that if you love your job, if you just absolutely love what you're doing, then you're going to pour everything you have into it. And win, lose, or draw, right, you're going to be able to go home and, and sleep at night. And um, Coach Venables absolutely loves what he's doing, right? And he pushes himself every every offseason to be better. Um, so Oklahoma, Oklahoma University and the Oklahoma fans are getting a guy that is going to um, – you know, for a for a football term, let's say he's going to spill his guts out there for his team, right? To help him get better, uh, it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, and the thing I like about Brent, you know, we, we hear that he's bringing over uh, uh, Schmidt, the the old strength and conditioning coach at OU that was at A and M, and we know how tough Brent Venables is. Um, it seemed like OU under Lincoln Riley had gotten more to the finesse side and less about strength and physicality. I, I'm excited to see that physical brand of OU football that we know and love of uh, from back in the day kind of revitalizes some sorts. They're going to need that if they're going to the SEC, right? They're 100% going to need it. Um, you know, the depth of the SEC, you know, obviously we, we always talk about the top two or three teams, but the depth um, that they're going to face, you know, you, you may, you know, on, on some year, you may go through a stretch of having to play Alabama, Auburn, you know, LSU, Texas A&M, Florida, you know, back to back to back to back, you know. So um, you better be physically ready to play and you better have some depth. And the depth comes uh, from those young guys, um, you know, getting bigger, stronger in the weight room and being able to go out and physically play with those the, those other SEC teams. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Brent Venables, uh, his track record, very good, you know, is one of the best coordinators in the country. Do you think it's going to take him long to transition to be a head coach? I know that you, you've done that before where you went from an assistant yeah. to a head coach at the high school level. What's that going to be like for Brent, you think? You know, it, it will not take him long. Um, a good a good football coach, a good position coach, a good coordinator, they have aspirations to be a head coach. And so all along the way, when he was at Oklahoma under Bob Stoops and then watching Dabo, Right. He's taking notes, things he loves about what Bob and what Dabo did, things he would do different. Right. And he has his own program already built and he knows what he wants to do. And so he'll, he's going to hit the ground running. And I have no doubt that it won't. The transition will not be very difficult at all. And it will happen very fast. And uh, moving on from Lincoln Riley to Brent Venables here. Do you think Oklahoma is uh, going to be? in a bit of a transition period uh, between the two, or do you think that he can uh, pick up right where Lincoln left off essentially? Well, you know, there, that Tyler is the big variable that was thrown into the mix a couple of years ago when they introduced the transfer portal. Um, it's all going to come down to how many players that are on the roster right now, 
leave and how many of those are key players, right? And if a bunch of them leave, um, you know, it's Oklahoma. They'll be able to go sign guys that are in the transfer portal, but will they be able to get you know, the guys that they want in the right positions, right? And so it's going to be um, from 1st of December, right, until the transfer portal for this next year closes. Um, it's going to be kind of a wild roller coaster ride. Um, if the right pieces are in place, they, they won't miss a beat. And matter of fact, they might be better next year. Now, from the high school coach standpoint, uh, you guys are part of your job not only is to coach these players, but to get them to that next level. This early signing period certainly been a game changer. Tell me about that when uh, you got a coaching change like this. I imagine your players probably are in your ear a bit like, hey, coach, uh, what sure. do I do when, this co- when the coach I thought was going to be there is not or vice versa? Oh Yeah, 100% as, as part of our job. And um, it's a big part of our job because that's a, you know, a football scholarship is a lot of money. Um, but it's uh, these, this year's group of seniors um, are, there are not very many scholarships available right now. Um, you know, the COVID year, um, the NCAA gave all those players an extra year of eligibility uh, the transfer portal. And they're the, the number of scholarships available for high school football players is, I'm just guessing, it's probably half of what it's been in past years. And we've had schools, and I can't mention any names, we've had schools come in here and say, hey, we're going to sign, we're only going to sign five or six high school kids, right, instead of 25. You know, we're going to go see if we can get 20 guys out of the portal. So, um, or they don't have that many scholarships available because some of these guys have taken their sixth year. You, you know, you can't kick them off the team uh, to go sign a high school football player. So high school football players this year, uh, man, the scholarship numbers are way down and, and it's, it's really unfortunate for them. Um, you know, but some bunch of junior colleges will get some full qualifiers and, and then next year there'll probably be a glut of scholarships available. There'll probably be instead of 25 for every school, you know, there might be 30 or 35. Yeah, and with that being said, of the JUCO route, uh, Coach, I know that everybody's focused so much on the transfer portal, but there's so many talented kids that end up in junior college. That That's not a bad thing. And I know that it's not the first choice for these guys, but, uh, you know, I, I knew of plenty of guys from BA that went to NEO, for example, and had an incredible experience before they went to play Power 5 football. Yeah, it's it's not a death sentence, and especially if you're if you're a qualifier, right? You can explain to your listeners what that is, right, Tyler? If you're a qualifier, right, you can go play one season at a junior college, you know, and get out of there. Um, so it's just it's it's a way to you know let this um, run on um, portal guys, you know, and and the um, you know, the lack of scholarships because of the six-year eligibility because of the COVID year. Let, you know, let that all run its course, and then, and then next year, you know, there'll be more scholarships available for high school kids. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. Uh, speaking uh, on the Oklahoma front, speaking of the coach that, that just left there, Lincoln Riley, what do you make of how that was handled and how he'll do at, uh, at USC? Uh, I know that was uh, an emotional time for Oklahoma fans, losing uh, Lincoln Riley that way. Yeah, it was very emotional, very emotional. Um, so, 
you know, it was handled just like everything is going to be handled from now on. I mean, it's just such a big business. Um, the early signing period, which you brought up earlier in our conversation, has forced coaches, right, to leave, right, before bowl games and 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 all that stuff. And it's also forced schools, you know, I know I'm changing subjects from Lincoln Riley, but it's also forced schools to fire coaches, you know, during the season. So you can try to get a new coach in right before the early signing period. So um, the early signing period has been great for high school coaches and high school kids, but it hasn't been very good for those coaches that are on hot seats or those coaches, those schools that lose coaches to change jobs. It's been really, really difficult. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I would I would imagine so on uh, that front. Of these uh, changes we've seen, uh, whether it was Crystal uh, Cristobal going to Miami or Brian Kelly going to LSU, Marcus Freeman getting the Notre Dame job, uh, what's been your favorite? Who do you think made the best hire this uh, this offseason, uh, David? Oh, wow. Well, um, that's a great question. Um, I, I'm a, I've got some friends that are Notre Dame people, and um, every single person I talk to uh, or hear from loves loves uh marcus freeman um you know i you know whatever you think of kelly um he's won absolutely won everywhere he's been um and he's going to have access to you know at notre dame you got to recruit nationally because academics are that academic standards are so high you know at lsu he's going to be able to go recruit players that are nfl guys that can play at every position um there's a chance he'll be really good now that all being said, I do have a little affinity in my heart for Mario Cristobal, right? He's an O-line guy, O-lineman, you know, started his career as an O-line coach. Um, and I think those guys always make great leaders and great coaches because you know, they're used to deflecting credit and putting it on somebody else. And they're also used to working um, in the shadows and working really hard at honing their craft. And so um, – I know I've met him a few times. I really like uh, Mario. He's going home. Um, it was strange how the university handled that, but I think for for the coach, for Coach Cristobal, it's a great fit. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, that's a good point there. Uh, staying in college football, we uh, we know the playoff, Final Four teams, going to be Alabama taking on Cincinnati in the Cotton Bowl, Georgia versus Michigan in the Orange Bowl. Uh, what stands out to you uh, about these uh, playoff matchups? Uh, who do you think's the team to beat of those four, Coach? Well, you know, you get you know to be the man, you got to beat the man, right? So, um, you know, Alabama's the favorite. You know, they're they're the one. They're going to play the four. They're going to be a big favorite in, in the Cincinnati matchup. Um, they just, you know, handled uh, Georgia in the SEC championship game fairly easily. I, you know. I, Easily, easily by score, you know. Um, I would really like to see Georgia – I mean, not Georgia. I'd really like to see Michigan um, get a chance to get – you know, win the game against Georgia, get in the championship game. Uh, you know, I, you know he's, a, he's a quirky um, personality guy. But Jim Harbaugh. Harbaugh yeah, yeah, but Harbaugh and I, we played on the Senior Bowl together. So, um, you know – so maybe, I, you know, not that I have any connection. We never crossed paths. We never played together in the NFL. But, um, you know, I would – and I would like to see, hey, the newcomer, the new guy in there, right? Michigan hadn't been there. 
let's go let's go see if they can make a little run for a couple weeks and and uh and scare alabama yeah that would be uh that'd be fun to see if they could do something what about uh cincinnati uh first group of five team to ever make the playoff uh luke fickle's done an incredible job there they have a potential nfl talent and quarterback at uh desmond ritter uh what do you think of their chances i know that alabama's the team to beat but uh cincinnati uh it, they don't lose too often here. What, what do you think about their chances? What's it going to take for them to possibly challenge uh, Alabama in that Cotton Bowl? Well, for them, for them to challenge Alabama, it's, they're going to have to um, play a perfect football game, and they're going to need Alabama to give them a few breaks. They're going to need, you know, two or three extra possessions. You know, they're, they're going to need to win the turnover battle by a couple. They're going to need to return a punt you know, inside the 25 yard line or block a punt, you know, they're just going to need more possessions than Alabama has because Alabama's too good to not score. But if you, so you've got to have the, you know, you've got to have the ball 15 times while Alabama only gets the ball 11. You know, and that's the only way they're going to have a chance to win. I feel like coach that Cincinnati is going to lay everything out on the line, that they're going to play the best they can. I just don't know what Alabama team's going to show up. Are we going to see the sure. team that, you know, beat the snot out of Georgia or the team that barely beat Auburn? If the right. team that shows up that played Auburn, Cincinnati wins. Well, 100%. And I think – I not think. I know that Nick Saban will say the same thing in his press conference, you know, before the game. Um, and he'll yeah, and he'll say, hey, whichever team of us shows up is who's going to win. Um, I think they proved last week when they were – underdogs for the first time when there's a chip on the shoulder you know Alabama's um supremely talented uh and I think even though you know they're going to look at the spread in the newspaper or whatever um playing the semifinals you know that ought to be motivation enough for you to go play your best football game um so uh, I, I really think that Luke Fickle's an amazing coach um you know, we all say, hey, he maybe he should have taken a job, a big time job in a power five conference. But he's, a, you know, Cincinnati's about to join the Big 12. So he's about to be in a power five conference and he's done a power five job. Like you said, he's got an NFL quarterback and he's got a bunch of NFL players on his on his roster right now. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe he finds himself coaching in the uh, NFL when it's all said and done. Well, that's true. Uh, job yeah. openings are about to come up. Uh, speaking of the National Football League, uh, let's transition there. Uh, Coach, I, I was thinking about football guys like yourself on Monday night just had to love what <laughs> Belichick and Josh McDaniels pulled off of only making Mac Jones throw three times and just run it down the Buffalo Bills' throats. What a what a game plan and a strategy that they came up with to, to, to just not give up on the run game and win up front. That that was That was man football right there. It was I, you. You're 100 right. I absolutely loved it. It, it <laughs> was beautiful. Um, you know, but hey, it's easier. It's easy to say, hey, let's go call a bunch of run plays. Um, but what New England did, they had a huge um, arsenal of run plays. It, it wasn't. They didn't run the same run plays over and over again. They were running inside and outside and and gap schemes and zone schemes and and jet sweeps and uh you know they had everything they stretched the field maybe not vertically because they couldn't throw it but horizontally 
it was a 53-yard wide field for them running the football. Um, and even though, you know, that uh, everybody was down in the down in the box defensively, you, know, you just – if you run, you know, run wide, wide zone or, and a, and a, or a gap scheme, you don't have to block – you don't have to block all 11 of them. You've only got to block four or five of them um, to gain yards. And, you know, I'm hearing some of these talking heads or trying to say that that game was – an indictment on what they think of Mac Jones. I didn't take that away at all, coach. I was looking um, at it like, if it's working, why stop? He, they did the same thing when when uh, Brady was there a couple times. You know, that's the that's the genius of Belichick. Um, one of the genius things that he does. You know, he he evaluates his own team. He evaluates the the elements and he evaluates the other team and figures out where his advantages are at. You know, if it's run the ball every time, cause you, we've seen him do it when it wasn't bad weather. He just knew he had a better matchup of his offensive line versus their front seven on defense. So he finds his matchup where he knows he's going to be good and he exploits it. And he's obviously he's, uh, he's got a, two fistfuls of state uh, Super Bowl championship rings to prove it. Yeah. How about on the other side for the Bills, when you go through a game like that and just get bullied around the way you did, that, that's got to hurt your pride a little bit, doesn't it? I mean, uh, I, I can't imagine what that uh, locker room was like afterwards of getting beat like that in at home, nonetheless. Yeah, it is it is very demoralizing um, being run on, you know, uh, because it, it takes everything away from you. It takes the clock away from you. You know, you just begin to feel hopeless. You, you know, when the team is throwing the football on you, just hey, they may be moving up down the field, maybe they may be scoring, but you feel like hey, at any minute we're going to get a sack, or we're going to tip a ball, or our defensive back's going to get their hands on a ball, or maybe we'll intercept one. Um, when a team is just turned around and handed to a big running back, and you're getting moved, you're getting pushed around, and can't tackle a guy for less than four or five yards. Um, it's it's a whole other animal. Well, and one thing I love for for New England, and I've never been a Patriots fan by any means, but you know there was so much talk after the way things went last year that Brady won the divorce. But now we're starting to see <laughs> that hey, Be- Belichick hasn't lost his step either. I mean, this is no. he's got to be the coach of the year this year. He he is one hundred percent the coach of the year. And now, yes, last year, you know, Tom went from a loaded roster in New England to a loaded roster in Tampa Bay and won, right? Um, the Patriots had to dump payroll and get young and uh, and sign some uh, less expensive free agents, try to save money, get under the cap for this, right? This last off season when they did all this signing free agents and, you know, Belichick's just like he always done. He's, he's done a great job evaluating free agents and he signed a bunch of guys that know how to play and still have some uh, tread left on the tires, and it's showing up. And then he drafted well. He drafted, obviously, um, an amazing young quarterback, and they're, they they might be the favorites in the AFC right now. Yeah, they very well could be. Uh, the other team that I look at, the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, you know, we, we were talking, it wasn't too long ago, Coach, this team really just hit a lull. But that defense has gotten so much better the last few weeks. The offense still isn't up to the chief standard, but the defense went from one of the worst in the league to one of the best. How did the Chiefs get so much better defensively so fast? 
<clears throat> well, you know, sometimes that's just by, just by, um, you know, you're forced to, right. The offense is, you know, the offense is, is kind of sputtering and, and it's not making the big plays they were and, You've got great players, and then they just step up. They just make plays because they're used to winning, right? They've got a they've got a winning attitude, a winning DNA at Kansas City, right? Um, and so they're going to win football games. Uh, and so the offense sputters. You know, the defense has to step up, and that's what they're being told in the you know Monday through Saturday in the in the offices and in the locker room and in the meeting rooms. Hey, defense, you guys got to step up, and they've done that. And that's a sign of a, you know, that's another feather in the cap for Andy Reid. Um, he's he's an amazing football coach, and he just continues to prove it. Yeah, and uh, I know Patrick Mahomes isn't playing his best football right now by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, if you're Andy Reid and that coaching staff, what are you doing to get Patrick out of this slump of some sorts? It feels like it's not a matter of – if he'll get out of it, but, but when, is that how yeah. you feel here coach? Oh, one. Yeah. 100%. He's too talented and he's too dedicated to his craft. And, you know, he's had too much success for it to be anything else. Um, obviously defenses are playing him a little bit different than they've done in the past. And, um, you know, this is another, this will be when he comes out of this, it'll be the numbers will start rolling again. It'll be, um, one more hurdle that he's overcome, and this may be the biggest hurdle that he's had to come o- overcome is, you know, defense is changing what they do. Not much, you know, hardly any man-to-man, all zone, you know, throw it short, complete the balls, move the sticks. Um, and, you know, it's just growing up and being patient. Uh, but 100%, they're, they're still, they're, they're a huge threat, huge threat to be back in the Super Bowl for the AFC. Yeah. Uh, last thing in the AFC, then we'll move on to the NFC real quick. Patriots and Chiefs seem to be at the top of the mountain in the AFC. But then after that, just a lot of good teams that are looking to, to break that ceiling, whether it's Tennessee, Indianapolis, Baltimore, Buffalo. Who is the team you think of that next tier that could potentially be the biggest threat, you think, to New England or Kansas City? Well, um, it, it would have been Tennessee – you know, four weeks ago, right? They were really, really, really rocking and rolling. Um, they've, they've just injuries and injuries and injuries have really depleted them. Um, the teams in the AFC that are kind of hot right now, right? Um, the Colts. Um, I don't think Miami can probably get there, even though they're hot at the moment. Uh, you know, you're supposed to say, I think everybody's supposed to say the Buffalo Bills is the next team, but you know, they did the weather get to the quarterback? Did you know what happened? You know, that was maybe that's an anomaly, maybe, maybe that's an outlier. Um, but they need to get hot. Buffalo needs to get hot here at the last quarter of the season, uh, to be going into the playoffs to, um, to say they're a threat against those other teams against Kansas City and, um, and New England. Yeah, I think you're right about that. On the uh, the NFC side. Arizona, Green Bay, uh, those guys appear to be, you know, le- leading the pack there in Tampa Bay, of course, as well. Arizona, you, you saw firsthand, you know, being a guy in Big 12 country, you know, the jury was out on Cliff Kingsbury. The way that he coached up that team without Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins to keep on winning Look, football games, I, I didn't see that coming, Coach. I did not either, man. It was a, it was a great job. 
uh, coaching, you know, changing your game plan, right? And, you know, the sign of – I think the sign – one of the signs of a great coach is being able to – right, whatever 11 guys are on the football field, being able to figure out how to get first downs and points um, instead of having just a rote, you know, this is our – this is what we do. I don't care who's playing quarterback or who's playing receiver. This is what we're going to do because that doesn't work. You know, you don't – you know, there aren't very many DeAndre Hopkins uh, walking the streets, right? So when he's out there, you, you just can't do some of the things that he did. So – uh, Kingsbury showed it, um, showed everybody that he's, he's, um, you know, the, the NFL game's not too big for him. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right about that. And, uh, between, uh, the Bucks and the Packers, both of them look pretty close to each other. Who, who do you give an edge maybe towards as far as those two go? They, they look pretty even mm-hmm. on paper. It seems right now, mm-hmm. man, great question. You know, Comparing Brady and Rodgers, you know, let's just say that's an even, that's a, that's a even draw. You know, you may give some leadership to Tom Brady, obviously. Um, oh my gosh, the name escapes me right now, but the receiver for the Packers. Um, Devontae Adams. Yes. Yes. Oh, that dude is special, right? Special. He's a, he's, he's as good as it gets NFL, you know, and the most reliable receiver for, Tampa right now has been Gronkowski, um, which, hey, this is a huge threat in the red zone and on third down, but, you know, not going to – not you know, Gronk's not going to go 80 like Devonta Adams might. So, um, who can who can get to the second round of the playoffs healthy? Um, and those two, then they're – I think they might – they'll be – they'll that team will be in the NFC Championship, probably against the Cardinals. You know, we'll, we'll end on this. Uh, the MVP race, uh, Coach, there, there's so many names that you could come up and think of. There's no clear front runner, it seems. And, you know, if there were ever a year for a defensive player to be involved, I mean, you look at T.J. Watt having a historic year with the Steelers. Uh, you know, Trayvon Diggs with the Cowboys. Seems like he's getting interceptions every single week. I mean, uh, this is a wide-open year for this MVP race. I can't narrow it down to one or even two names at this point. No, I can't either. But you've mentioned some of the best, right? Um, you know, Diggs went through a stretch, you know, the middle of the season that was just absolutely phenomenal. And you kept thinking, oh, it's, you know, it's going to stop. And then the next week he'd get another interception. Um, I think if I was game-planning against him, I'd, I'd throw the other side of the football field. <laughs> um, you know, T.J. Watt, if he can get up anywhere close to 20 sacks, um, you're going to you're gonna have a tough time not giving, not giving him a bunch of votes. Uh, you know, and then, you know, the quarterbacks, you know, Brady's throwing a bunch of touchdowns, but, Aaron, you know, and Aaron Rodgers is, is Aaron Rodgers. They've, he's missed a game. Uh, did he miss a game or two? I know he missed one. He just missed um, one, yeah. yeah. Yeah, missing missing games hurts your MVP votes, but um, man, it's gonna be fun, man. That's yeah. what the NFL, you know, the parody in the NFL. You know, you talked about how there's just a couple teams and there's a whole giant group of really really good football going on right now on both AFC and NFC. It's awesome. Yeah, it is, Coach. We're uh, out of time. It just flew by. Uh, plenty of stuff to uh, touch on. Glad we we're able to bring you on. Congrats again on the uh, state championship. We'll be talking down the line. All right, Tyler. It's always great to talk to you, my man. 
Time for Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online, oagks.com, o'connoradvisorygroup.com. Also by phone at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. Also reach out to Bo by email, brian.o'connor at lpl.com. That's brian.o'connor, Brian with a Y, at lpl.com. And you can also check out O'Connor Advisory Group on Facebook and the Coach Bo Knows Podcast, available out every Monday and Friday on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts as Coach Bo joins us right now. Now, I know this is an audio podcast, but Bo, uh, I think I scared you when uh, when we came on here. It was The volume was a little loud on my end. So I was like, whoa, and then you had that projecting voice. Uh, <laughs> it made me jump for a second there. I was like, oh, damn. Well, hope we're off to a good start. How are we doing, Bo? What's going on in your world with OAG and the, uh, the podcast? You know, we've been busy. Uh, this has been kind of a cool week. So we've partnered up with uh, New Chiropractic and uh, Renique Arts here in Lawrence. And we are a drop-off for Toys for Tots from Lawrence, Kansas. And we have over $1,000 of toys over there right now. And uh, we're going to be taking toys and donations up until Monday of next week, the 13th. So uh, we're actually going to have a group of us that are going shopping on Friday afternoon. So when you hear this Thursday, the next day on Friday, we'll be doing some shopping. They go make sure some local kids have some have some stuff for uh, Christmas. It's important. That's great. Important time of year to give yourself. Oh yeah, absolutely. Giving back so important. Yeah. Bo, let's I start love out. how Toys for Tots is here. Yeah, let's start out with our uh, picks against the spread this week, and to right. fill out the uh, pick them this week. Since most college games are off, what we're going to do is we're still going to pick ten games, but we're going to pick one. Uh, college game that being Army Navy, and then nine NFL games the rest of the way. So change things up a little bit. And that kind of makes up for week one at the beginning of the season when we had 10 college games and the NFL hadn't started yet. So let's uh, go ahead and get started, Bo, uh, with that Army-Navy game. Army, a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. They've had a really good year. Navy, not the year that they've hoped for, but they've been competitive at times. And this rivalry game, uh, not the best football by any stretch, but – uh, it's, uh, it's, it, it's a great game to be an American. It's entertaining for other reasons. Yeah, this is going to be a fun uh, – I think it is going to be a fun game. I actually enjoy running the football. And so – You and Bill Belichick, more, more that on that later. And um, this will be a lot of running. These two teams do not throw the ball much. They average about 10 passes. Each of them average about 8 to 10 passes a game. Um. Army's been really good this year. Uh, Navy, not so much. But Navy and their losses has been close. Um, I'm taking Army minus the seven and a half. I take Army every year because my dad was an Army veteran and it's kind of a shout out to my pops. So for dad, for you, I'm taking Army. Go Army. I'm going to ride with Army as well. Uh, They've been dominant at times this year, especially against teams that they've been uh, inferior to. I think that they can do that here with this Navy team, beating them at their own game, essentially. Give me Army to cover seven and a half in America's game. To the NFL, the Rams taking on the Cardinals. Cardinals are a two and a half point favorite at home. Both the NFC West could be on the line in this game here. The Rams haven't played great football as of late. Arizona did really good without Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, and they got both those guys back now. Yeah. Um, the Cardinals, I mean, they've played, they've played great. I mean, they're 10-2. They're the, they're the best record in the league right now. The Rams have not played well. They've lost three of four. They had kind of a get-right game, if you want to call it that, against Jacksonville last week, the one winning 37-7. to 
The Cardinals aren't the Jaguars. Um, I think the Rams roster, top to bottom, is the best roster in the NFL. But the Cardinals are just sneaky good. So I'm taking Arizona. I'm going to lay the two and a half. I don't feel great about it, but I don't think this is a blowout by any means. Their first game was a bit of a blowout. It's a 20-point win for the, for the Cardinals. I, I think it's closer, but I'll take the Cardinals here. What I wonder on this real quick, Bo, before we move on, the Rams obviously lost Cam Akers before the season began. Robert Woods has been out, you know, for the last few weeks. He's out for the year. And, you know, we, we haven't seen that run or pass game be, you know, be what it could be the last few weeks. Have those injuries caught up with this team, you think? I think it's a big re- – I, I don't like – I mean, use your words, they're caught up. I'm not sure. But I do think it's a reason why they've underperformed offensively. You know, I, I – I think they've underperformed offensively. Now they have Odell Beckham. Maybe that'll help them kind of straighten out that receiver piece. Um, but yeah, I just I, I don't know. It's a great question. I do think those two injuries at the beginning of the season really did hurt them, though, especially being the running back. He's a special kind of back. I think that hurt them when you have to go back and now do a committee with that. And I always said the running back's the most replaceable spot, but they haven't used anybody who can be consistently replaced. Yeah, I'm going with Arizona here. Uh, they're on a roll right now. Ride the hot hand. They're the home team. Got to go with uh, the Cardinals at two and a half. Bills taking on the box. Bills looking to bounce back after the loss on Monday night at home against the Patriots. Meanwhile, the box playing really good football as of late. They're a three-point favorite at home. Bo, what do we think here? Um, God, I saw like a broken record. I'm taking all these favorites. Um, I like the Bucks here. I, the Bills <clears> – <throat> You know, they have, they've kind of played the tale of two seasons this season. They came out hotter than anybody in the league in the first month. And they just kind of putted along. I mean, this past week, aside, I was going to set it aside completely, completely in its own little category. But even coming into this past week, they haven't played well in a month. I just don't know that it's going to be a good matchup, them going to Tampa, playing Brady at home. Um, I like Tampa here. I like Tampa, too. Um, you know, the, the Bills have some issues. These two teams are going in two total opposite directions right now. Uh, I'll go with uh, Tampa Bay. I think Tom Brady and company is going to have a big day there at home against uh, the Bills. 49ers and Bengals. San Francisco has played a lot better football as of late. They find themselves in playoff contention, which seemed like a pipe dream about a month ago. Meanwhile, the Bengals were playing so good, but, you know, they, they've at times – underachieved whether it's a loss to the Steelers one week or a loss to the Chargers last week at home and such well I don't know what Bengals team we're going to see when these two teams square off uh, with San Francisco favored by one it all comes down to two things for the Bengals can they protect Joe Burrow and can they stop people on the back side of the defense um this past week it was protect it was the defense the defense did not play well at all especially early in that game. It was just too big a hole for the Bengals to, to dig out of. But the other games the Bengals have lost, especially the Steelers game, a couple others that are in there, it's the offensive line. Their offensive line is bad. I mean, it's bad, bad. Uh, they've got a great run game, and we saw that this, week, this past week. Even when they were down 20, the Bengals were still trying to run the football, which I don't see a problem with. I mean, it was like the late second, early third quarter. Um, Joe Mixon's been playing really well. Um, 
I mean, you know how I feel about Joe Burrow, so I mean, we all know that. But he's got receivers aplenty. I think this will be the highest scoring game the 49ers are going to be in this season, at least for now. And I'm taking the Bengals in a shootout here. I'm going to go with the 49ers. I don't think it's as high scoring as you think it will be, Bo. Uh, I think the 49ers uh, are going to play a little more ball control football and, and run it and wear out that clock a little bit more. I expect uh, the Niners to uh, take care of business on the road. Ravens and Browns. Browns are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Bo, what is going on with both these teams and both their quarterbacks? We know Baker hasn't played well really all year. Lamar has struggled as of late. What on earth happened to Lamar Jackson? Baker's one thing, but what happened to Lamar the last few weeks? I kind of disagree a little bit. So Lamar's numbers have come down, but his play has been fine. He threw four picks just a couple weeks ago. I know, I know. I watched that game. Um, There's nobody around. I mean, he's carrying that team. He did. He had the four pick game. It was awful. I'm not going to excuse that. But if you look at the actual play, don't take the stats out. Take out the, you know, how many yards, how many yards previously. Lamar Jackson has not played bad. Matter of fact, I think Lamar Jackson's played like an MVP. I think he's in the MVP argument. Mm. He's played. Yeah. I can't go there. I'm telling you, he's going to finish in the top two or three. He MVPs will. don't throw four picks in a game. Peyton Manning's done it before. He won five of them. So, um, yeah, it, it can happen. Um, I do. He is the only thing on that offense right now. I like the Ravens here. I like the wrong team's the favorite. I got the Ravens winning outright. And the gift, the two and a half is a gift. The Browns are bad. They're I bad think- because Baker's bad. Baker's horrible. I'm of the Baker's not getting much help around him. I'm, 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 I didn't know where I was going to be on whether the Browns should extend Baker. I know where I'm at now. They shouldn't go. Baker for me is uh, I could use the same argument you're making about Lamar about Baker. His offensive line is not helping him. His talent has been wishy washy around him. You know, his yeah, he's got Nick Chubb back in the backfield. He's got Nick Chubb in the backfield. He's He's been injured mostly. He's got a good tight end. The Ravens are a better team. I think both these teams are underachieving right now. I think the Ravens are a better team. The Ravens are going to win that division. That's all said and done. Unless I think the both these, I'll be honest, Bo. I think both these teams stink. See, I think the Ravens are okay because Lamar's carrying them. I think as of right now, this very moment. The Browns, to me, stink. the Browns stink. I, I think the Browns stink. I think we can I'll go with the that. Ravens, but uh, I think both these teams are underachieving yeah. right now. Steelers and Vikings, that's on Thursday night football. The Vikings found a way to lose the Holy Lions last week. Uh, the Steelers tied with the Lions. Uh, <laughs> both these teams trying to make the playoffs, uh, and Minnesota's favored by three. Bo, uh, what do you think here? Uh, I think both these teams stink. Yes, I do too. These are two bad teams. Two bad teams with two bad quarterbacks. I mean, Ben is just washed beyond that. I love what T.J. Watt's doing, though. I'm taking the Steelers here because they're an underdog, but I have no confidence in this pick. I do have confidence in the fact that if the game is late and the game is close, I'll take T.J. Watt rushing on Kirk Cousins. Can we acknowledge T.J. for a second here? He's on pace right now to break the all-time single-season sacks record, and he missed two games. 
I mean, yeah. this is phenomenal what we're seeing from T.J. Watt here. Pay him yeah. every money. He deserves it all. This is uh, – he's on pace to be a Hall of Famer already. I just I think the overall number of sacks is kind of overrated. I, he's great. Don't, don't get me wrong. He's great. He's having a great season. He might win Defensive Player of the Year. But I, if you look at other – there's – there's three or four guys that are in the same – there's probably four or five guys that are in the same level as him. He's having a great year, and he might break Michael Strahan's record. And God bless him if he does. It'd be great. He can sign that autograph on his autographs for the rest of his life. See, I, think, I, think, I disagree. I think TJ's a generational talent. No, oh, I don't think either of the Watts are generational talents. I think both of them are. And then oh, I think I, that yeah. TJ's better both, than the I think they're both a little overrated. <laughs> okay. Okay, so you're not impressed I mean, with the I, guy that just – Look, there's four or five guys that I think are in the same class. TJ is the only reason the Steelers are even in playoff contention of some sorts. One defensive end can't carry it, and they're not in playoff contention. Neither the Steelers or the Vikings are in playoff contention. The record says they're a game or two back, but over the next four weeks, five weeks, they're not going to fall in there. The Steelers are the worst team in their division. I said all those nice things about TJ. I'm still taking the Vikings out of cover three. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking the Steelers. I do think TJ Watt will make a play at the end. Because you know what I say about Kirk Cousins. Every time he cashes a paycheck, he's stealing money. Kurt's having a great year. He sucks. I, he's the most overrated quarterback in the NFL. That guy has stolen money. I mean, he's a thief. That guy has stolen more guaranteed money than anybody in the history of professional sports. The Vikings' problems are their defense. It's not Kirk Cousins right now. It doesn't help. I think he Kirk's makes fine. bad decisions all over the place. I think he gets bailed out by the fact that he doesn't throw the ball well enough to get intercepted half the time. Raiders and Chiefs. Uh, before you piss me off too much, we're on a roll today in this one. Um, the Raiders take it on the Chiefs. Chiefs are favored by nine and a half. But we saw these two teams meet in Vegas a few weeks ago, and the yeah. Chiefs beat the snot out of the Raiders in uh, that game. Chiefs last week were a double-digit favorite against the Broncos. You and I each took the Broncos. Chiefs covered, covered convincingly. Uh, one of the hottest teams in football at nine and a half at home. Bo, I don't like usually when the Chiefs are heavy favorites. But uh, the way they played as of late, I got to ride with the Chiefs here. I'm taking the Chiefs as well. I'm, I'm flip-flopping here. We're at nine and a half. Under 10 is okay with me. I wouldn't go 10 or over or over 10. Um, the Raiders, since the Gruden thing, you know, when the Gruden thing happened, they had the two games, they played really well. They really came together. They've slipped, and they're just not the team. I don't know. You said the Chiefs are back, and I – we're going to talk about that on my pod this week a little bit. Still, their only offensive touchdown was the first possession of the game. There's still something going on with that offense. They didn't I don't hear you complaining about the uh, Patriots offense like that. I mean, yeah, we find ways to win. Yeah. yeah, a little different situation there. Sure, sure. But, well, doing the Chief, I think what the Chiefs did do last week that surprised me and is good, they didn't run the gimmicks. Mm-hmm. If they don't run the gimmicks – you, they should have more confidence in themselves. Which, I mean, that that to me, that was better. I like the Chiefs here. I do like the Chiefs to be, to be pretty big. I mean, 10, around 10. Cowboys and the football team. Dallas favored by four. Both Cowboys have had a better year, but Washington's played better than Dallas as of late. Do you ride with the yeah. team that's played better overall or the hot hand with, uh, with the football team here? Well, um, Dallas is the team that I don't like picking. 
And, 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 you know, I have a strong opinion on what I think Dallas should do. I think Dallas should do what the Patriots did Monday night. Just run the football, run the football, run the football. When they run the football more times than they throw, they've won the game. I think they'll run the football this week. I think they'll win the game. I'll take the Cowboys. I'll take them plus the four. I'll take them outright here against Washington. Yeah, I will too. I will too for the same reasons you mentioned there. Washington's played really great last month. I mean, that's not a talented team out there. And Taylor Heineke, I don't think is a franchise quarterback. No. But he has an accurate arm, a strong, accurate arm. Bob Rivera's done strong. a really good job, yeah. I think. And I don't mean strong like, like Mahomes and Josh Allen. He's not going to throw you a 50-yard bomb. But he's on point and strong with, like, 18, 20-yard outs. I mean, he puts things on numbers that you don't see in a lot of places. He's got some arm talent. Yeah. If nothing else. The uh, Falcons taking on the Panthers. Panthers favored by two and a half. Panthers fired their OC Joe Brady this week. Um, you heard from Matt Rule say that he didn't think that the Panthers were running the football enough. Uh, hey, wise guy, uh, Joe Brady likes to throw the football. You should have known that when you hired him. And not to mention Christian McCaffrey has been injured on and off for the last two yeah. years. Kind of hard to run the football without your best running back. I fault that on Matt Rule for, for that. He should have known what he was doing when he hired Joe Brady. He just – Matt Rule, I fault him. Joe Brady was not the problem for that offense. Carolina favorite two and a half. Bo, um, I get, I'm going with the Falcons. Uh, more so for me, it has to do with the dysfunction of Carolina right now. I got to go with, yeah. with uh, Atlanta to cover that two and a half. Well, there are no winners in this game because they're both losers. Uh, yes. We've got a couple of those kind of games this week. I'm taking the Panthers just because I cannot pick the Falcons in good conscience. And so I'll take the Panthers. But I will say, Matt Rule firing Joe Brady is a huge signal to me. It's like the scene in Blazing Saddles when the, um, the governor is running around and he says, we got to protect our phony baloney jobs. That's why he fired Joe Brady. He should protect his job. Right. And I like Matt Rule and I like Joe Brady, but uh, yeah. there were some mistakes. Joe Brady's going to end up being the Bengals offensive coordinator next year. Probably so. Um, last one. Bears and Packers. Aaron Rodgers and company favored by 12 and a half. Uh, A-Rod said this week uh, he has no regrets about saying that uh, he uh, owns the Bears. I love that. Um, Packers, uh, this might be the last time he plays uh, the Bears for a while. I think he makes a statement here. I think the Packers win big here, Bo. I, the Packers are going to win the game by how many is the question. I'm only taking the Bears because it is 12 and a half points. And that's a lot of points in an NFL game. It, it just means you got to go out there and score twice if you're the Bears to put me in the money. So I'm going to take the Bears, but I'm only taking them because it's 12 and a half points. You get over 10 in an NFL game. It means it's, it's a one-sided game. If figure the Packers get ahead, they, you know, it's, it's one of those um, – Backdoor cover kind of things with the Bears. You know, the last couple of minutes something happens, they cover. Like you'll see, you'll see this on Scott Van Pelt next week. I think that's well said. So let's go ahead and uh, move on. Uh, some yeah. topics. Uh, let's start with college football since we did so many NFL picks there. Um, yeah. The Final Four semifinals: Orange Bowl going to be Alabama and Cincinnati, or that's a Cotton Bowl rather. Orange Bowl going to be Michigan and Georgia. Bo, what do you think of those two matchups? First off, say the word Alabama again. 
Alabama. You sound like Keith Jackson when you say Alabama. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And here comes Alabama. 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 You say it just right, just like him. Um, hey, I like the two SEC schools here. I, I've, I was surprised that Alabama put a whooping on Georgia. I mean, we all picked Georgia last week. I mean, we picked them everybody but the TJ. I know. TJ wow, went seven and three that. last week. Yeah, that's amazing. Hey, I'm just telling you that. There was one of the games I couldn't decide if so I would TJ pick. As a matter of fact, we should go back to the picks. I want to have him fade a pick for me. Um, hang on. But uh, hang on here. Um, on the Steelers-Vikings game, who did he pick? Uh, the uh, Steelers-Vikings game, he took the Vikings. Okay, I'm found Steelers. Okay, the only underdogs he took were the Rams and the Ravens. He's riding on the faves. Well, that's why he's in last. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> but the playoff games, uh, you like the SEC teams. Yeah. Um, I, I think this is going to be so – I think that – I hope Cincinnati gives – I think the – you know, I hope Cincinnati gives uh, Alabama a better game than we think. But the one thing I do have a problem with is I I would have liked to have seen – I think when we got to the committee, the committee must have sat in that room and said, okay, what what end do we want to this? And you got to think that someone was sitting there saying, guys, we can't have uh, Georgia versus Alabama in the championship game again. I would have thought that they would have just flip-flopped the two and that Georgia would have been two. And we would have seen Michigan drop to four and had a Michigan-Alabama game and a Georgia-Cincinnati game. Because, one, you get a, I mean, two big names, Alabama-Michigan. That had been a huge game in a semifinal. And then the second game – I mean, Cincinnati deserves it. They're, they're a great story. Them playing Georgia, that would have been great. And then, you know, you have the winners. But I I, I don't know. They're, I thought they would, they would figure out a way to not let those two teams play. I, I don't, I'm not saying it right. But I thought they'd figure out a way to where Georgia didn't play Alabama. They would play the first week by dropping Georgia or something. I, I just messed that all up. But I, I really thought they were going to figure out some way to do that, maybe move Michigan to one and making it Michigan, Bama, Georgia. And in Cincinnati, I think that was what I was thinking going in. I think that's what I texted you earlier in the weekend is I thought that's where it would end up. I didn't think Cincinnati would go any higher than four. Mm-hmm. I think it's a huge mistake. Uh, Cincinnati deserves to be number one going in, to me. They're the only undefeated team. They've beaten everybody they've asked. Uh, I wanted Cincinnati to play a really big game against, against Alabama. Um, you know, it's funny. Schools always say, we want Bama. We want Bama fans, Bill. Here you go. You got Bama. So, but I think we're going to see Bama, Georgia, and we're going to be, it's going to be a good game too. Michigan, um, I don't want to criticize a college player. I don't like doing that. They're not professionals. But I was totally, totally unimpressed with Michigan's quarterback. In the game, Kate McNamara. Week. Yeah, I, I, I he, they run the ball. They run the ball great, and but that's going to work. That's going to work against a lot of teams. But we'll see how that works against Georgia. You know, I think yep. that's going to be a 
a different animal. They're going to have to figure out a way to get some chunk plays. And that quarterback doesn't have an arm. He doesn't look like he's particularly good at playing quarterback. That's kind of weird. Uh, you can tell by the way they run that second play of their offensive game, the um, flea flicker or whatever it was, back to the running back, and the running back throws the ball for 67 yards. He had a better arm than the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't. I like the two defenses, Georgia and Alabama, when it comes down to it. But uh, I, Coach, I'm you- really hoping Cincinnati keeps that game close. Yeah, it, it feels very similar to me to that Oklahoma-Boise State game. I see that, but Oklahoma blows those kind of games, and Alabama doesn't. Right. I'm not saying Cincinnati's going to win, but it feels no. like of going in ahead of time of, okay, this Cincinnati team, there is something special about them, but yeah. Alabama playing, is clearly a more talented team. Yes. Yeah, and they're playing for more than just themselves now. They don't want to admit that. Their coach doesn't want to admit that, but they right. are. Um, um, I'm, I'm rooting for Cincinnati. I hope they win. The uh, coaching changes in college football, two big ones this past week. Brent Venables to Oklahoma, Mario Cristobal to Miami. What do you think of those? Uh, both good hires. My pick, I think Oklahoma made a really good hire. That one we kind of saw coming. I think Venables was a – when we heard he was a candidate, that seemed like it made a lot of sense. Cristobal going to Miami, that's a coming home for him. That's Miami is trying to do something different. They're shaking it up. they got to – they went and got a coach first, and now they've hired an AD second. Um, with NIL rules, Miami's trying to become their fans and their and their um, alumni are trying to make them the U again, and they need a they need a Miami guy. That's why I think it's a pretty good hire. It's a Miami guy. Well, I mean, they had a Miami guy, Manny Diaz. They didn't really like him as much. I, I just. I don't think that they wanted to change the atmosphere. They wanted to do something different. I, Randy Shannon was a Miami guy. I mean, they've had Miami guys. Yeah. I just – I think this was – this is a big name. It's a big splash. It is a Miami guy. This is this is the money talk. This is the here's money guys I, talk. Here's what I look at with Crystal Ball. Um, I thought he did a good job at Oregon getting them back from how down they were. Um, but they didn't reach their ceiling. They didn't reach as far as they could have. At Miami, if he does exactly what he did at Oregon, they'll love him and they'll be happy about it. But this is a team that I still think has championship aspirations. That'll only be good for a period of time. Yeah. Well, I think all college situations now, you're a four-year, five-year coach tops. I mean, it's just it's just given the nature of it now. I mean, we got guys who are signing 10-year contracts. They're going to play the whole 10 They're going to play the whole 10 years out. I mean, does anybody think that, that – Brian Kelly's going to be at LSU for 10 years? No. I don't think so. I, don't think, I think even he knows that. Um, I like it for Miami. I do. I like the hire. I don't like not firing the coach before you hire the new coach. Right. They were going to keep Manny Diaz if he if Cristobal said no. Right. And that, that bothers me a little bit. You know, it's one of those, okay, well, if we get this guy, we'll fire our guy. But if we can't get that guy, we'll keep our guy. That's, that's, that's screwy. I think you go in and say, okay, we gotta we gotta make a change and then make the change, and then bring in the person. I, I have a bigger beef with that than anything Brian Kelly went through at LSU. And, the, and what he didn't tell don't tell his Notre Dame guys. Right. Right. Uh let's go to the NFL. Uh Belichick, what a coaching clinic he put on on Monday night. If you're a football guy or a coach to your core. You just got to love everything about that and what happened Monday night. 
I watched that game and I kept thinking that guy's a damn genius. He's just that he doesn't care about Bill Belichick does not care about what anyone else thinks outside of the, that room. He gets those guys to buy in no matter who they are. He's the genius. We, we said it even last season. We said he's playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers. He knew what he was doing last season. He knew he was punting that season. Now he's back. He's got the quarterback he wants. And then, I mean, to run the ball that many times. I mean, it's just that rare situation where you knew going in, the wind is going to wreak havoc. The weather is going to wreak havoc on the field. So we're just going to run the ball. And they must have practiced. I, I can't even imagine how many walkthroughs they went through and talk about every circumstance with every lineup they could have gone against. I think it was incredible. Their team played to ask your offensive line, to ask the receivers to block the way they did. I mean, it's just unbelievable. How many run, how many run plays was it? What I was also, they only threw three times. Uh, it was a lot. I don't know the exact number. Yeah, They threw the ball three times, once in the first half, twice on the one possession late in the fourth quarter. And they probably should have thrown either of those. No. They would have run more time off the clock. Um, no, I just – He's a, he's a freaking genius. He's the real goat. Mm -hmm. he's, yeah. he's the best head coach of all time. Um, and, you know, for this last year and a half, we've been hearing this narrative about who won the divorce of Brady versus Belichick. And, Bo, I look at this, and here, here's what, what I've concluded. Um, and I think you're going to agree with me on this. It was one of those things where you had a good run together, but at the end, you had a situation where you'd come to a point you're better off apart, and that's okay in the sense of the, the Patriots last year didn't have to offer what Tom Brady needed. They were not, they did not have the cap space to go bring in more talent. Um, okay. It was not going to work. Um, meanwhile, for, you know, for, for Brady, or for Bill Belichick, he was in a situation he got to rebuild his team and get ready for the future and get his young quarterback. And, you know, it, it's just a thing where it worked out fine for both sides and that's okay. Yeah, it is. It, we know we get caught up as, as, um, as sports fans, there's a trade or a divorce like this, these guys, uh, someone has to win. Someone has to lose. They both won. Yeah. And he got to go down there with a Super Bowl. And, and he might again this year, who knows? But Belichick rebuilt his franchise. He took it last year. And we kept talking about this all last season. We said, man, they're not that good, but we see what he's doing. We saw it last season. You know, he got Cam Newton to get him by for a season. Yeah. We knew that wasn't going to be a marriage. And it was just, okay, I'll get by. I'm not going to make the playoffs. That's fine. It wasn't the – Without Brady, it's a total collapse. No, it's all he had like 14 players opt out. Right. And he all those players opted out. And he was like, go ahead. He encouraged players to opt out because then he knew he'd bring them all back. He well, wanted them. And even besides cap space or anything, yeah. Brady wasn't getting Gronk or Antonio Brown to play with him in, in New England, no matter no. what. No, and the other piece about that is. What I think Bill Belichick does that no other head coach has ever done, in my opinion, is he isn't married to a system. He isn't there to say, this is how we play. Yeah. 
and we're damn it, we're going to do it this way. You know, there's examples. You can look at a lot of teams in the NFL right now and through history. You know, whether it's West Coast offense and Bill Walsh back in the day, you know, the 49ers are skipping forward now. You know, I'm a Saints fan. I can play my Sean Payton all the time. It's because he has to run his system. Bill Belichick will say, hey, what will work for me this week? What will work in this game? And he's got a flexible roster because he's made that roster flexible. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think he's I think he's the GOAT. Yeah, I do too. And I think I mean, he's the best ever. I think Tom Brady is too, and, and that's fine. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm tired. I know that I work in the media, bow and that we have to hear these things all the time, but yeah. I'm so tired of this narrative. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is a tired narrative. And then you can sit here and think, well, would either of them be where they're at without the other? The answer is probably not. I mean, I would argue that Belichick would be better off without Brady than Brady would without Belichick. Well, and, and I mean, it's, but it's, I, it's oh, just a just life example. How many times, Bo, you work with people in, in the finance side. How many times have you seen where at a stage in life, it was better for two people when that they had a great life together, but as they got older, it was better for them to be apart. And that's okay. It is okay. Yeah. It, you know, not all divorces are bad. You know, it's, Right. I was talking to and it doesn't mean that it didn't work earlier. Yeah, I talked to a friend of mine a few months ago who tells me I'm getting divorced. And I went, oh, man, I'm sorry. He goes, no, it's, it's going to be fine. Yeah. He's like, we're, we're both we're both grown-ass people. I mean, that's what that was. It was two grown-ass people just said, hey, this thing will work for either of us. So let's just make the best case we can for each of us. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I just don't like the narrative that it's someone has to win, someone has to lose. Yeah. I agree. All win. Yeah. He's Bo O'Connor, O'Connor Advisory Group, OAGKS.com, O'ConnorAdvisoryGroup.com. Before we go, Bo, what's coming up on the show on Friday? Uh, we are going to uh, – let's see, Token Girl is going to come in. We're going to talk a whole bunch of different stuff from NFL to college football playoff. Um, we're going to have some fun. We're going to chit-chat, and uh, we're working on a couple of things that will be funny coming up here. We're going to turn up here in the next couple of weeks in the point five. We've got a couple of special things running – probably next week. And then if you, um, if you don't listen and you want to listen, this past Monday, it changed the format up a little bit. Instead of our interview, I just went full and in depth on major league baseball um, uh, lockout and a lot of what's going on with that. And I think that that was a lot of fun. It was, I'm kind of a nerd. So I like that. Do want to, before we go, I want to send one baseball shout out. Buck O'Neill. It's been is going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Did you see that? I did. I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm so happy. Um, I'm a huge fan of Buck O'Neill's. I got to meet Buck O'Neill. I got to know him a little bit before he died. This is many, many years ago. And uh, he gave me one piece of very good advice that I will share with everybody here in a moment. But, uh, I mean, just this kind of man as you'll ever meet, so important to baseball, if you have never been to the Negro Leagues Museum, just take your ass over there and go. It's incredible. And uh, the best advice I ever got from Buck O'Neill, I, I knew him for a little while, was always dance with the girl in the red dress. Mm. If you see a girl in a red dress, go dance with her. Yeah, that's awesome. Bo, we got to go. Have yep. a uh, good rest of your week, my friend. We'll talk to you next Thank on you, the Colin. other side. 
Have a good week. Time for this week's Big 12 breakdown. And uh, the Baylor Bears won in the Big 12 championship game. Big congrats to Dave Aranda and company for pulling that one off in an epic Big 12 title game last week. Uh, I, I say epic. It was kind of sloppy. Felt like nobody wanted it at times. But what a finish. And the Baylor defense uh, getting it done in a dramatic fashion. Um, I think Oklahoma State would have made the playoff had they beat Baylor. If they would have gotten, you know, a couple inches there at the end of that game, if uh, Mike Gundy calls a quarterback sneak, I didn't understand that. The two different goal line attempts, not one quarterback sneak was called by Mike Gundy and Casey Dunn and that staff. That's one that really got away from the Pokes um, that they should have won, that they tripped on their own feet as far as that goes. Yes, Baylor, give credit to them for uh, pulling it off, doing so with a true freshman quarterback and just his second career start and what he was able to do to have, you know, 17 straight completions. All of that was impressive. But Oklahoma State got in their own way, and that's what caused ultimately cost them a shot at winning this game and getting to the college football playoff. But Dave Aranda, this is a guy that 10 years ago, uh, his home was foreclosed on and had no hope. And now here he is, a Big 12 champion. Uh, he's been looked at for numerous jobs already. Looks like he's going to stay at Baylor for the time being. You got to be happy for Dave Aranda. And this Baylor program, this is now, what, the third rebuild they've been a part of? I remember it wasn't too long ago, there was a crowd of folks that called for Baylor to be kicked out of the Big 12 conference. And now in a span of a year, they've won the NCAA basketball championship and the Big 12 football title. Not bad for a team that people pushed to get kicked out of the league at one point in time. And, you know, Texas football, they've had their struggles as of late. <laughs> Always love to take a dig at Texas any chance I get. Um, I'm thinking about this. Wouldn't Texas love to be Baylor right now? One of the Texas Longhorns loved to be in Baylor's shoes, be in their position. Uh, you better believe they would. Um, that, to me, I look at um, – you talk about how good Baylor is. That's the perspective if you're trying to point to. This is a team that's not supposed to be doing the things they're doing. Um, but they are. And Texas would love to be Baylor right now. I can tell you that uh, for certain. But now you look at the bowl games. Oklahoma State, you end up in the Fiesta Bowl. You take on Notre Dame. You didn't win the conference. You didn't get in the playoff, but the Fiesta Bowl is a nice consolation prize. Um, what I wonder with Notre Dame, since you didn't make the playoff and you lost your head coach, what's your motivation going to be like? And this is Marcus Freeman's debut as the head coach of Notre Dame here. Um, and Oklahoma State's about to lose Jim Knowles, too. Jim Knowles couldn't keep him around. He goes to the Ohio State. Um, that's a crushing loss for Oklahoma State. And I don't know how they're going to replace him. Um, man, this is a good game. I could see it going either way. Um, you know, a lot of these bowl games are about who wants it more. And Oklahoma State without Jim Knowles versus – 
Notre Dame with uh, with a new head coach. We'll see. Baylor taking on Ole Miss. Um, Ole Miss, uh, Jeff Levy, of course, taking the Oklahoma job, their offensive coordinator. Um, so they'll be without him. Baylor, I got to tell you, you know, th- this team, they, they weren't really playing for a playoff spot. But Dave Aranda found the motivation. They were there in that Big 12 championship game. Um, this is a physical football team. They're going to come hungry, leave happy, kind of like uh, the, the Golden Corral or, or the Olive Garden, whatever it is. Um, that's a fun one to me. And contra- contra- contrasting styles. Um, Baylor is going to run it up your up the gut, hitting you in the mouth. Ole Miss is going to want to try to score 50 points on you. If Baylor slows down this game enough, watch out. Um, Oklahoma takes on Oregon. And this is the highest-ranked non-New Year's Six Bowl matchup. Bob Stoops is a Hall of Famer now. Congrats to Bob. Well-deserved. And, man, I mean, Bob has been – the hero that Oklahoma football needed the last few weeks. And to see Bob, he's going to get one more game, and it happens to be against Oregon. Um, You know, all these players, when the infamous game happened in 2006, you know, they were in, what, kindergarten, first grade, something like that. I mean, they have no idea what happened. But for Bob Stoops, this means a lot to him. And both teams are in similar situations. Both their head coaches are gone. Mario Cristobal is at Miami. Oregon's still looking for a head coach. Their top player, uh, Thibodeau, who could be the number one pick, he's not going to play in this game. Meanwhile, Nick Benito's not going to play for Oklahoma. He's getting ready for the draft as well. Um, Bob Stoops, this is like his farewell. We didn't really get to have a proper farewell for Bob Stoops because his you know, retirement was in the offseason. I think in this being like his real swan song of some sorts, Oklahoma is going to come out hungry. Um, I expect the Sooners to win. Oregon just looks like a bad football team the way they ended the season too. You know, one of the, my criticisms of Lincoln Riley was that he looked checked out, that that team was not putting their best effort in the month of November. Um, you could say that even more so for Mario Cristobal in Oregon. For them to get blown out twice in three weeks by Utah, that team looked uninspired. Um, Ride with the Sooners in uh, that game there. Uh, Other matchups, Texas Tech taking on Mississippi State. Mike Leach going up against his old team. You talk about uh, motivation. Mike Leach got screwed by Texas Tech. This is the first time he gets to play his old team. Mississippi State had a nice season this year at seven and five. Texas Tech, uh, you know, with a, a, a coaching change in the middle season, Sonny Cumbie did a decent job as the interim head coach. Um, that's going to be some points. I can tell you that much. West Virginia and Minnesota. Minnesota's had a really good year. I like what PJ Flex done with that offense. West Virginia at six and six. Um, it looks like Neil Brown's going to be back another year. I'm not sold on Neil Brown. Um, I think Minnesota is the better team in uh, in this game. Uh, I'm watching out for Minnesota to, to be fine. Clemson taking on Iowa State. Um, Iowa State, 
you talk about teams that underachieved this year at seven and five. Charlie Kolar's named the tight end of the year. Brock Purdy was a preseason All-American. So was uh, you know, Brees Hall and such. And they were just so underwhelming. And Matt Campbell, after all this, doesn't end up with one of the big-time jobs. Um, Matt Campbell should have gotten a job when he got the chance. Now he might be stuck in a sinking ship that is Iowa State at this point. Um, for Iowa State, if all those guys are going to play, which you know I, I don't know at this point, if they all are, then this is their chance to go out together with a bowl win. Um, it's still Clemson. Brent Venables obviously won't be there. Um, but Clemson played a lot better the last few weeks in the season. Um, they were a different football team. I do find it hilarious that two teams that had playoff aspirations, one of those being Clemson in particular, who was a you know preseason top four team, at the end of the day, they end up in the Cheez-It Bowl. This is a tough sport, folks. <laughs> it, 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 it kicks you in the ass sometimes. And you have to deal with eating some Cheez-Its as a, a consequence. LSU and uh, K-State. Coach O not coaching this game. Um, he's off, so you know, having himself a grand old time in a Naples. Uh, Chris Kleiman and company, man. Um, I look at for for K State. I believe Skylar Thompson's going to play. This is going to be his last game for the Cats. He's been there for it feels like you know a half century at this point. His swan song of sorts. Watch out. Um, I don't know how prepared LSU is going to be, how interested they are in playing in the Tax Act Texas Bowl. But, you know, K-State, it feels like they're in these type of bowls every year. One year, the Cheez-It Bowl, the Texas Bowl. Um, this is their identity. Chris Kleiman's going to have those boys ready. Skylar Thompson, I think, goes out on a high note. You know, there's some obvious ones of these matchups where – the Big 12's overmatched. I think Texas Tech's overmatched against Mississippi State. I think West Virginia's overmatched against Minnesota. But the other games are very winnable. This could be a very good bowl season for the Big 12. Remember, they went undefeated in bowl season last year and had the best record of any conference on, you know, in, in bowl season. I don't think they're going to do that again, but we'll see. Before we get out of here, time for our Tom Fullery story of the week. And uh, this week, we will head to Saudi Arabia. Listen to this. Over 40 camels have been disqualified from the Abdul-Lazizi Camel Festival in Saudi Arabia after judges discovered that dozens of breeders had stretched out the lips and noses of camels, used hormones to boost their muscles, inject their heads with lips with Botox, inflated body parts with rubber bands, and use fillers to relax their faces. Authorities say they're using specialized and advanced technology to detect if camels have had work done. It's a common practice in Saudi Arabia, as the cash prizes and the sale price for a winning camel can add up to a million dollars. This pageant had a prize pool of $65 million. So how about that? 40 Campbells disqualified 
after judges determined work had been done. Um, wow. Isn't that crazy? You know, if we did beauty pageants in America for humans, uh, I think everybody would be disqualified if these same exact rules were applied that were applied to animals here. I mean, everybody's got work done these days. You know, I, I was I was talking to a coworker uh, the other day, and I was saying, you know, I'm, I'm very happy that uh, I have nice dark black hair. I haven't had any grays yet. You know, I'm 25 years old, no grays at this point. Um, but I am willing to color my hair until it gets to the point where it's ridiculously obvious that I'm coloring my hair. And I was debating of when that age was. I said 70. She said eh, about 60 would be obvious. Um, and, you know, we, we're always trying to look for that advantage, trying to uh, make ourselves, you know, look younger than what we are. And even the camels here. I mean, that's big business. A million dollars? Of course, you know, I can't blame them for trying to pony up and make these camels look, you know, sexy, you know, look pretty, uh, by all means. Um, for me, what I find funny in all this is that it was against rules, that it was against regulation. I mean, let the camels be. Let them show off, get on with their bad selves, you know, show off uh, all that beauty, you know. I mean, is, is this... Uh, is this like a performance-enhancing drug? Is that how we're treating this? You get that Botox? Uh, is that like the equivalent of PEDs or something there? Um, that's what it sounds like. Man, I feel bad for these camels. They just want to look good. You know, if you look good, you feel good, you play good. That's all that they're trying for here. Poor camels. Um, what's funny to me, too, I'm no expert in animals, especially camels. I, I find it fascinating that somebody actually was able, that somebody's job is to be able to tell what camels have had work done. You know, in the U.S., you know, here in America with humans and such, if you think somebody's had work done, but they haven't had work done, that's usually pretty offensive. You know, people don't like that. Probably shouldn't point that out, you know. Um... I wonder if you got a camel and somebody thinks they've had work done, but they really haven't. How do you prove that? How do you tell them, oh, well, no, that, that, that camel's a natural beauty. No, 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 there's no work done. That camel's just that good looking here. How do you prove that point? I wonder that. That's something I'm very curious about of that process. You know, I love the job I have. I really do. Um... I got to tell you, I do not envy the guy or gal whose job it is to inspect camels and try to figure out if they're cheating in a beauty pageant. You know, I mean, like, I don't want that job. Uh, can you imagine, like, you tell somebody, well, what do you do for work? Uh, I inspect camels to see if they've had Botox and work done for beauty pageants. And if they had, it's my job to get them suspended and caught and kicked out of these camel beauty pageants. Also, here's another one I wanna know. Who is it that's attending a camel beauty pageant? Do you like literally have nothing to do with your life? 
Are you that bored? I mean, like, go on YouTube, look up some camels, I guess, for a few minutes and call it a day. I mean, have some self-respect. My gosh. I mean, you, you got to be really bored if you're going to a camel pageant. I mean, there's got to be more to do in Saudi Arabia than go to watch, you know, these Botox-filled camels of some sort. Golly. Goodness gracious. I mean, I get it. I'm not their demographic, but still. Come on now. Gracious. Um, speaking of pageants, by the way, and in no way am I, uh, you know, comparing this person to a camel of some sorts. Let's not, uh, let's not get that going before it started. Uh, shout out to uh, Gracie Hunt of uh, the uh, Chiefs family. Top uh, 15 at the Miss USA pageant last week in Tulsa. Uh, representing the state of Kansas and uh, the Chiefs. Uh, very happy for Gracie. Uh, Gracie uh, has been a great ambassador for the Chiefs and uh, obviously very beautiful, good looking, uh, very smart girl, you know, graduated from SMU and such. Uh, she's got a bright future and uh, she represented the Chiefs and uh, the state of Kansas so well. So shout out Gracie for doing a great job at uh, the uh, Miss USA pageant there a couple weeks ago there in Tulsa and uh, coming home with that top 15 finish. Uh, she may have been top 15 in Miss USA, but she's number one in our hearts, as they say. Wink, wink. Gracie, call me sometime. Um, as always, we got to go. Big thanks to Coach Bo for stopping by, as well as uh, David Alexander. Uh, you can subscribe to The Jones Report. New episodes out each and every Thursday on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. Uh, we're also on Twitter at Tyler Jones Live at Studio underscore Soapbox, Instagram Jones underscore Report Tyler Jones Live, Facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live forward slash Studio Soapbox. You can find us there. Check out the Studio Soapbox Network. We've got this show on Thursdays. Let's go racing with David Starr out each and every Wednesday. The Coach Bono's podcast with uh, Brian O'Connor, who you heard early on in the show. He's uh, on the network every uh, Monday and Friday with uh, his show. And then, of course, Rod Tools with uh, Luke Slaybaugh uh, out on, uh, on uh, Tuesdays. And uh, Luke's got a, a great show, by the way, this week that I highly encourage you to check out. He's joined by OU defensive lineman Laron Stokes. And uh, they got a great chat talking about the, uh, the bowl game, getting to play under Bob Stoops and uh, Brent Venables, uh, the new head coach there. Uh, fascinating chat with LeRon. You want to check out if you get a chance. Raw Tools with Luke Slayball on the Studio Subbox Network. Got to run. This has been another edition of the Jones Sport. We'll be right back here next week. Have a great one, everybody. So long. <laughs>